produced by Podcast Architects. Welcome, friends, Romans, countrymen, fellow civil engineers. Welcome to the Get Better at Business podcast. I am joined today by Jose De Leon, who uh, I am really hoping is a much better civil engineer than I was whenever I was in college. And so uh, thanks for coming on the program. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Travis. Appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, what? remind me, so I know we both went to A&M. Remind me what year you were? Yeah, I'm class of 06. Okay. I was, but I did two victory laps. So, well, you know, whether you know, if you're the, uh, it is, uh, it, it is very possible that I was, you know, one of the people that was not paying nearly close enough attention in some of the same classes that you took whenever I was there. So, I'm 05, so I was there a little bit ahead of you, but uh, got started in the engineering game a little bit later, and so uh, I have not engineered anything since I left college, and that's a really good thing for, <laughs> you know, me and society at large. So. Uh, whenever you got into civil engineering, what was your aspiration? Like, you know, people that are mechanical engineers or aerospace engineers, they have like a good story of like, oh man, you know, like I was just super into cars or I was super into airplanes. And it's like civil engineers, it's like super into land development whenever I was a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, what was your uh, attraction to that discipline? Yeah, actually. So I went to A&M wanting to get into the mechanical engineering department. Um, and in my A&M application, they asked you for a second option for another school. Um, and so I chose physics. So when I went to A&M, I went straight into the physics department and I didn't want to do physics. I talked to my advisor and he said, ah, don't worry about it. You're just doing your technical electives right now and you're early on. So it really doesn't matter. It just what matters is that you take the classes. So I said, OK, little did I know that physics uh, at A&M is a very prestigious program, so they require you to take a minimum of three honors per semester, honors classes. So I, I took a few honors classes. That was honors calculus, honors physics, and I ended up just not doing very well that <laughs> first semester. So, so then I couldn't uh, transfer into the mechanical engineering department because the minimum GPA to transfer was like three, I want to say three, four at the time. It was pretty high. Um, and so he, my advisor suggested to go talk to civil and, uh, I started talking to the civil department and, um, in contrast to the mechanical engineering department, it just seemed like all the professors on the civil side and the advisors really enjoyed what they were doing. And a few of them even said, Oh, I used to be a mechanical. I hated it. And I, now I'm a civil and I love it. It's like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of what's, <laughs> yeah. One of the great things about being civil engineers, the stuff that, you know, civil engineers try to, you know, it's like our stuff stays still, you know, yeah. and so it doesn't move around. And so it makes it a little easier to, you know, get a handle on. But anyway, so you, you know, found yourself in there and did you really gravitate toward it? Did you like I it? Did. As well as you you yeah. yeah. Once I was in it, I, I really enjoyed it. And then I did a, I took some time off and that's why it took me a little bit longer to graduate, but went to go work for a civil engineering firm in Montana. And that really solidified that this is what I wanted to do with my life. Well, you know, and so what was the nature of the work you were doing up in Montana? Yeah, so we were, um, that particular company, they had a contract with Lowe's Home Improvement Centers across the United States. And so they were doing the retail centers, um, all the civil engineering and the site feasibility studies and drainage and all of that. Um, not just for the retail centers, but also for the flatbed distribution centers. 
uh, and I really enjoyed it. That was a, a great experience. Yeah. And so, uh, what, what happened to you right after? So, you, you know, I, I, I certainly hope for all of your customers that you graduated. And, yep. You know, I did. Assuming, I act- that, assuming that that happened. What <laughs> yeah. Happened yeah. So I, I went back to A&M to finish my degree and I helped open the office in college station for that same company. Uh, but then they, they got into a lawsuit, uh, not at a fault of their own. They were just brought into it and they had to defend themselves and they weren't able to hire me when I did graduate. So I ended up moving to Houston, working for one of their competitors, doing Lowe's again, <laughs> Lowe's and Lowe's and Walmarts. So that's kind of how I started. You know, the, what did it feel like? Was it, you know, the, you know, working on kind of some of these bigger things that I would expect, you know, a little bit of, you know, copy and paste to a certain extent where there's like, you know, one of the, one Lowe's is not too unlike another. And so I guess, what did you find exciting about it? What did you find interesting about it? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I think one, every site was different. So every jurisdiction, Mm -hmm. every site had its own challenges. So even though it was Mm -hmm. the same building footprint or very similar one, um, there was lots of ways to design the site. Um, So that was exciting. And then second, um, once I designed it, it got built and you got to walk the site and, hey, I, I told them where to put that parking stall or that curb or that entrance or you know all these people have no clue what went into <laughs> the design of this thing but it was it was really that was exciting and then um yeah i, th- I think just civil engineering in general is all about the built environment it's what it's the things that people use and uh don't really put a lot of thought into it and don't well realize. you know it's one of those things that is you know, one of those things that really just makes the world go round that, you know, just kind of happens in the background. And it's like, if you do a great job, then, you know, the only time that people notice what your profession does is whenever you don't do it well. Yeah. You know, right. It's like, <laughs> there's, you know, as, as we're, you know, my, my wife and I are sitting around, you know, like thinking about what do we want to do with this house? Or we want to, you know, make some improvement. We never sit there and think, God dang, this sewer system is designed so perfectly. Man, yeah. I'm so glad that- <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, most man you know the grade the on this yeah. the, the grade on this driveway is just perfect you know but <laughs> it's when it doesn't go right you know people do notice and so yeah. it's uh the well i'm guessing you so you get into this you know you get into this and you have a path forward i would assume of like you know hey man you can just double down and just you know engineer the crap out of stuff for the rest of your career and i mean Obviously, that 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 you, you decided maybe to take the road less traveled. Did you what did, did you consider that it was just like you know what man? Be, I'm enjoying my work. I like what I do. Maybe I should just you know like this is a good path. I want to stick that stick with it. Did you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I was enjoying it, and there's so many civil engineering is pretty diverse as far as the areas of expertise that you can dive into. I mean, there's ocean engineering, there's uh, uh, geotechnical. All of those fall under civil, so. Um, you can really branch out and find a niche or stay broad and, and enjoy the diversity of all the different types of projects that are out there. But what was, what was the thing that kind of started your entrepreneurial itch? Got you so, thinking about, you know, maybe I yeah. could just, you know, branch out in that way. Yeah. So, so for me, I think uh, I never, I never set a goal for myself to or even had the desire to go start my own company. 
know, I was like, oh, I want to be my own boss. I want to start my own company. That wasn't really in my mindset or in my framework. It was more, I was placed in, in different positions over the years and in different roles that made me question, you know, why am I in this role right now? But seeing this side of the, of the business that my counterparts don't typically get to see um, and just being pushed in all sorts of different areas that uh, by around 2014, um, I had a, I'd been in the industry now for six years plus, and I had an old engineer mentor of mine approach me, and he said, "Jose, I have a, I'm semi-retired now, but I have a project that uh, it would be a good opportunity for somebody to start their own company." And wink, wink. And I said, "Hey, that, that's great, but um, my wife's pregnant. We just bought a house. Um, yes, we're debt-free, but I have no savings or anything to start the company with." And and so he said, "Well, you need to start giving it some thought." And he kept pressing me and pressing me. And you know, I I talked to several people, um, mentors and friends and people that knew me that could speak into my life. And um, I started praying about it, and as as did they. And some doors opened up and. It felt like it was the right decision to to make. So I took a step of faith and started the company. Yeah. And so the well, you, tell me a little bit about your mentor, though. Like, you know, this this guy is a civil engineer. Was he an entrepreneur as well that had his yeah, own thing so, going or was he? Uh, yeah. So what, he, what was he like? Yeah. So his, his name is Jim Hostetler. Um, and he had an engineering firm at one time here in Houston. Um, Jim is now in his early 80s. Um, but he had a, his focus was mainly on wastewater treatment. He was one of the main wastewater guys in the Houston area. So he, he designed a lot of the wastewater treatment plants for the city of Sugarland, which is a suburb of Houston, several of the wastewater treatment plants in, in around the Houston area. Um, and then he eventually, uh, diversified and started landing bigger projects. And, um, so his, his company grew quite a bit in the seventies, eighties. And uh, I met him back in 2010. So he took me under his wing and uh, was mentoring me professionally. And like I said, in 2014, 15 is when he he started uh, approaching me and telling me there was an opportunity. <laughs> so, 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 yeah. Like you, you mentioned that it was not really part of your like thought process. Like you never were just like, uh, one day I have to own my own business or whatever. So I... I I don't, I don't want to assume, but I gather from that, that you weren't one of these people that's like, I, a lot of my friends that are entrepreneurs have been entrepreneurs since they were like toddlers, you know, like ever since they could walk, you know, they opened up the lemonade stand and, you know, did all that. Was that part of your background? No, or, not at all. Not yeah. at all. Um, both my parents though, were, are entrepreneurs. They, they both uh, own their own businesses. Um, so I do have a family, I guess, heritage or uh, lineage of entrepreneurs. Uh, and I did, I think one thing that entrepreneurs have is a niche to optimize things and make things better. There's a better way to do things. And that was definitely in my mindset and in my, uh, throughout my career, when I worked for other companies, I wanted to implement different things. So that, that, that had some impact. Well, so, you know, since you didn't have like sort of that background of, you know, you, you know, I guess, you know, weren't wearing the entrepreneurial spirit on your sleeve, so to speak. Yeah. What do you think that Jim saw in you that made him like reach out to you specifically that was like, dude, you could start your own business. You could do this as a thing. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because when I met him in 2010, um, he called me into his office. He was starting to 
make the transition into retirement. He's the one that hired me at that particular company in 2010. And he, you know, he was just point blank told me uh, that he saw something in me. He never told me what it was, but he had, uh, I think at one point he had about a hundred employees under him. So he, over the years, he's, he's seen a lot of engineers and had a lot of staff under him, uh, but he said there was just something different about me. And, and he, he was hitting, he thought what was closer to the end of his life. And he wanted to, uh, he wanted to pass on everything that he had learned over the years. And he realized that it'd be a shame if nobody, if he didn't hand that over to somebody. So it, I don't know, I think it was timing, but maybe also he saw my, uh, my desire to learn. I'm, I'm, I like learning and, mm-hmm. and I like doing things well. So maybe that's what, so, he saw. I mean, uh, now, so, okay. Now this thing actually exists and you've had some pretty awesome success. And so I guess just, you know, walk, walk me through like, getting from, you know, all right, I'm starting. I didn't even really want this for myself, but here I am into, you know, getting to where you're running a really successful business. What was that journey like? Yeah. So, uh, the interesting is, thing is in 2011, I did, like I mentioned earlier, I had, I felt being led to eventually start my own company. Um, and I mentioned that to my piano teacher. I ran into her several years back. Well, in 2011, I hadn't seen her since like 2002, probably. So I hadn't seen her in nine years. I went to visit my parents uh, in West Texas, and that's where I'm from, El Paso. And she she asked me what I was up to and what, what I was doing for work and what my goals were. And I told her, yeah, I, I think I'm being led to start a company, but I don't know. And she said, well, you need to plant a seed. And she said, I don't know what that looks like, Jose, but you need to plant a seed. And so what I did that year was come up with a name and I purchased a web domain. Those were the two things that I did. So, and I just filed it away. You know, I, I planted that seed that was 2011 and I didn't give it any thought after that. I had a name and I had a a web domain. (laughs) And then in 2014, when my mentor approached me, I already had that in the, in the back pocket, but I didn't really think I, I could never own a company. That's not something that I, 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 it just seems so far-fetched, especially at my age. Yeah. Well, dude, I think that it's interesting, I guess, like, as you reflect back on the, like, I would describe what you're saying is that it's like, you know, hey man, Jose took step one yeah. and then three years later he took step two. Yeah. That's pretty and much so, like, I, mean, I guess just like, I mean, what was there <laughs> in that three years? Was it just like, after you took that action, was anything different? Was it like sort of in the back of your mind where you're just kind of like where you would go back to it now that you had actually done something or was it just kind of like, that's eh, all the, it's in a drawer and you know, didn't even think about it until somebody said something later. Yeah, I, I pretty much filed it away and I didn't really give it a lot of thought until again, my mentor started approaching me and, and uh, pressing me. Yeah. Yeah. So then I, I started thinking about it more seriously and okay, well, if I do, if I do this, I already have a name. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Very cool, man. Very cool. And so the, you know, like once, you know, getting started, I think it's always, you know, it sounds like you had a, you know, good customer in, you know, sort of from day one, they kind of helped you get started with that project that he wanted you to do. And so what was it like getting the second project? That was a little bit, um, it, it's, it's neat. So some people have said, you know, you never want to burn a bridge. So my previous employer, 
when I left, I left on really good terms. Uh, and they were mainly doing Walmarts and Lowe's and a lot of what's known as site development, commercial retail centers and big industrial parks, things like that. And they didn't really venture into water wastewater. And that's when I started the company, that's the very first project I did was a wastewater treatment plant. And, and that's the main focus of the company early on, right, was water wastewater. Um, so that next project was they they called me two months after I started the company and after I had left. <laughs> and they said, hey, Jose, we, uh, remember that project we had and we were going to do a water plant? Well, we'd like for you to, to design it if you're interested. So that, that was the second project was my previous employer hiring me to do a water plant for them. Um, Whatever so you... <laughs> So it's pretty neat. Very, it was pretty neat. That is very cool. Well, I don't think it's got to be a yeah. test. I mean, I guess it has to make you feel good that, you know, I mean, a lot of people say that they leave on good terms, but I think that this is a like a little bit more proof that you really did leave on good terms. Obviously, if you're on bad terms, they're not going to call you up and say, hey, yeah, you got some business we want to throw your way. Yep. What, yep. what was their reaction whenever you, whenever you told them that you were leaving to go do your own thing? Uh, I mean, I think they were, uh, obvi- they were disappointed because they had, you know, I had spent, uh, I had worked uh, two stents with them from 2008, 2010. And then I went back from 2012 to 2014. So I had about four and a half years working for them and I, I liked them. I mean, I honestly saw myself retiring at that company. Um, uh, but I, I had, um, at that time I was wanting to help grow the office more on the municipal side and. On their end, there wasn't really much interest, but they they said, if you want to pursue it, we'll support you in that, but we're not really going to be the drivers behind it. It's kind of be your own thing. And that's when my mentor approached me about that project. It just seemed like, well, I can either do it for myself or do it for somebody or for somebody else, right? And at that point, I'm like, well, I might as well just try it for myself. Um, but my conversation was that with them was, was very, uh, it was good. I mean, they... They, uh, I, I did an exit interview with them and they asked me, Jose, you're a dead man out. So tell us, you know, you spent a lot of time with us. Tell us what the good and the bad was. And so I, I told them what I appreciated about them and how I respected them as a company. And I shared some areas of improvement that I thought, Hey, if y'all fix these areas, I think y'all will, will do really well. And, uh, it was good. It was a good conversation. And I even asked them, you know, what, what's some advice that you could give me now that I'm going off on my own and, and, uh, and they, they gave me some really good advice and um yeah the the main guy that owned the company at the time his name is david duplantis he uh the piece of advice he gave me was very simple he said jose do what you say and you'll do well and to this day that's probably one of the hardest things for me to do (laughs) is to do what i say you know it's it's hard it's really hard to follow on your word um especially when you're stretched in a hundred different directions, pulled, you know, by different clients and, and trying to project out how long stuff will take and being honest and upfront. And uh, it's tough. <laughs> well, it's tough, but it was, you know, like the, that honesty and forthrightness, yeah. I think is like the alternative is ridiculous, right? Where yeah. it's like, well, you know, I'm just going to be deceptive and, you know, exactly. holding. It's like, that doesn't, you know, no, that's not going to do any good for anybody. Yeah. So t- tell me about your company today. Like, you know, I know, I know that y'all are having a lot of success, but just kind of color it in for the people. What, what exactly does that mean? Yeah. So we started out focusing on water and wastewater, like I mentioned, wastewater treatment plants, water plants. Um, 
but I started getting calls from people who knew me from the site, my site, site development days doing Walmarts, Lowe's and, and little retail centers. And I thought, well, I'll go ahead and start doing some of these. It's a good way to supplement the income and diversify a little bit. And eventually we, we grew into doing um, water, wastewater, you know, public infrastructure, as well as site development. And then uh, more recently, within the last two years, we've added a third uh, division, which is land development. And that, that that's uh, more focused on uh, residential subdivisions and larger tracts of land, uh, large industrial parks or things like that. So, many, so that's where we're um, at right now. How many on the team? So we've got 10 and we're hiring. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, we, we've been growing. We're, we've been trying to find office space for the last couple of months. That's been kind of stressful. It's growing pains, but it's, it's great. We're, we're doing well. We're in a really healthy place and, uh, there's a lot of work out there right now. And, uh, just trying to find the right people to add to our team. That's and so the, what, what was it like hiring? Like what, what were the circumstances under which you hired employee number two, I guess, you know, you were number one. And then it's like, yeah. at what point where you're like, all right, I need to bring in somebody else. Who was that? What yeah. That's kind of a, that's a wild story, but yeah. Um, so like I mentioned that we started the company and I have a business partner, but he was a passive partner early on. I was the sweat, sweat equity. He was the capital equity. Um, and so by 2000 and so we started in February of 2015 and then around November of 2015, I was still by myself just in a one, you know, one, one desk office. And I got a call. Um, actually it was a text message from an old drafter that I used to work with. Um, I mean, I hadn't talked to him in years and I was at the point where I needed some help and I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I had never hired an employee. I didn't, that was a big responsibility for a one man shop to hire, take on another salary, you know? And so, uh, he, I get a text message or it was actually a Facebook message. And he said, his name was Marcos. And he said, Hey man, I'm in El Paso. Uh, just random message. He said, what's the best taco place to eat at or best Mexican food? <laughs> that was his message. So I reply, I said, what are you doing over there? And I, I pointed him in, in the right direction, made some recommendations. And he said, well, I want to do my master's out here. Um, he's like, but uh, I'll be, I'll be back in Houston uh, next week. And I won't start on my master's till February or something like that. I was like, oh, okay, well, half jokingly, half serious, I sent him a message back and I said, Hey, well, you know, I started my own company. Would you be interested in, in doing some drafting for me? Wink, wink, like kind of joking. And he said, sure. And so he just the following week, he brought his computer and, uh, and I, I bought a, a, a folding table and I set it up in my one, one desk office and set it up right behind mine. And, and that was the start of our you know, employee number one. And uh, he ended up staying with me for about two years, uh, close to three years, actually, because um, the the master's program that he was pursuing, they didn't get the funding uh, until like two years or three years down the road. And so at that point, he went and did his master's. <laughs> so that was that was employee number one. <laughs> Earlier you said, dude, never burn a bridge. And it's just like, you know, you never know when, you know, a great candidate's going to call and ask you for taco advice. And so it's, uh, you know, <laughs> it's freaking great, man. It's the, well, you, you said something earlier about how you actually 
could sort of foresee yourself as retiring at that company that you were working with. And I just kind of wonder what lessons you took away from working for somebody you saw as a really great employer. And, you know, I mean, have you tried to copy any of that stuff in your own company? You know, like what, what did you, what, what lessons and values did you take from your previous company into the one that you started? Yeah, I think, um, so that particular company, they valued their people. Um, I mean, their employees weren't just, uh, you know, commodities or like a, a computer or a printer. They were people that had, well, so like, just what, before you move on yeah. from that, like, what exactly did that mean? You know, cause it's like, I think that everybody's like, you know, Hey, people are our biggest asset and you obviously really felt that I'm kind of yeah. curious, what did that company do that made you feel that way? So I'll give you an example. So when I, when I started working for them in 2008, that's around the time we had the big downturn in the economy. Um, and it was bad. I mean, people were losing jobs left and right. Uh, and they decided for the first round to simply, uh, the, I guess the executive team to take pay cuts so that they didn't have to lay off any people. So that, that showed, um, I mean, they could very well have laid off people round one, but they chose to take pay cuts instead of laying people off. And, you know, they held on to me as long as they could. Um, I worked for them till 2010 until finally they had to let go of me um, just because of, uh, you know, financial uh, issues that they were uh, dealing with. Uh, and it's then the tough time to be a civil engineer. My brother, uh, is, yeah. a structural, my okay. brother is a structural engineer. And right around that time, you know, he ended up moving to Saudi Arabia because, yeah. you know, to you know, do the expat thing just because there was yeah. not a lot of work available, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that was, um, you know, something that I learned how they valued their people. Um, they didn't just say it, they really meant it. And um, simple things like taking the office out to lunch. That's something that my, off, my uh, office manager did quite frequently. And it was something small, but it was a, one, it was team building. And two, it was a way to appreciate your employees with a simple meal. Um, that, that went, that went a long ways. Um, so I think those things were huge. And then just being respectful of, of people's lives outside of work. Like, yeah, I have my employees and yes, we're a business and we need to be profitable. We got to fulfill our commitments and meet deadlines and things like that. But then also you got to balance that out with, Hey, people have lives outside of work. This isn't, this isn't everything. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess the, what, what is y'all's like, are y'all, is everybody remote? Is anybody remote? Y'all all working together? Like what's the kind of work from home status that. Yeah, we, we, we have the ability to work remote if need be. So there's times when, when people say, Hey, I'm going to work remote tomorrow and that's fine. Um, I think long-term working remotely, we've realized that it's very easy, easy to lose touch with people and lose contact and lose that sense of team and camaraderie and all of that by working remotely. Um, and then just our field in general, it's very hands-on and, and just having those hallway conversations are so crucial and important for development, for people to learn. Um, you know, sometimes a young engineer might overhear a conversation I'm having with another, you know, seasoned engineer and, and just by simply being there present, they're learning. And they're, they're gleaning from that knowledge and wisdom. Whereas if they're working remote, you know, you got to set up a Teams call or a Zoom call to go through a quick little question, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, yeah, so, I mean, it just there's that, and then also like you know, you don't whenever you're walking around in the hallway, you know, you as a leader, you know, you overhear something or whatever, and it's like you you've been there longer than anybody, and so you might have some historical perspective that you know, there's some of the team needs, and you're not listening in on their Zoom calls, and you're not in their you know you know, sitting next to them in their house, listening to all these things where you might have an opportunity to step in and teach. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta be flexible on that end with working remote, of course. Um, so that's, that's kind of, that's where we're at as well. We, we respect when, you know, if people have, Hey, I've got the AC people come in to fix something at my house. Is it okay if I work from home? It's like, yeah, of course. I mean, it's not an issue. Well, the, uh, I guess the last thing I wanted to ask you about is I know that, you know, you, you know, as a kind of a small company working with a lot of companies that are really, really big, like, you know, do you ever find that overwhelming where, you know, you're working with a company like Lowe's or, you know, like this, you know, big, gigantic, publicly traded, multi-billion dollar companies working with you guys and it's just 10 people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what is that like? I mean, it, it can get intimidating, I think. Uh, uh, but as long as we're following through with the work or, you know, we're able to to uh, do what we say, um, it, it's not a not an issue. Uh, I mean, I, I haven't done work with Walmart or Lowe's directly since we started the company. Um, but, for example, that water plant that I did, um, that was for a, a Walmart development. And so I, w I was a two-man shop at the time, you know, doing a water plant and trying to meet their schedules and their requirements. And that, that, that was stressful and it can be intimidating, as you mentioned. But um, Well, I, yeah. I think the whole do what you say and then it's just like, you know, really, you know, doesn't matter who your customer is. Ultimately, they just want you to, they just want you to deliver on whatever it is that, you're, that, that you say that you're going to give them. And That's so, correct. Yeah. Yeah. That by itself probably keep you out of a lot of trouble. Oh yeah, just following through and you know not taking on stuff that you can't really do, right? Um, in fact, earlier this year, I had you know I had been pursuing a particular client for many years, and he finally gave me uh, an opportunity, and he said, "Hey, I've got these small projects. If you're interested," and we were just overloaded, and I couldn't. They were small projects, and I knew what he was trying to do. He wanted to test me on the small things to prove myself, and then he'd feed me something big, but. I just, uh, you know, we were overloaded and I had to be really frank. I said, you know, you've, I've been trying to work with you for the last three years, but I cannot, I, I'm just going to have to be really honest with you. I cannot follow through with, with these small projects right now. I just, I can't give you the attention that you deserve and that you're at your, that this project requires. And, and, uh, you know, I was trying to be honest and upfront and it was, it was, it was a bummer because he said, well, Jose, I was actually not calling to follow up on those, I was actually giving you a big one, you know, and I was like, oh man, you know, but it, it was the right thing to do. I mean, we, yeah, at, I mean, at that well, time, it, you know, the, the, again, it's like, look at the alternative and it's just like, what are we going to do? Show up and, you know, do a bad job. We're going to, yeah. you know, not be able to deliver on this. So, well, so I guess the last question I want to ask is this, is that you, now having the benefit of, you know, being an entrepreneur whenever maybe you weren't, didn't feel like you were one whenever you grew up, is there anything that you look back at now and you sort of saw, like looking with the benefit of hindsight, you kind of see the signs where you're like, man, 
now I understand why I was this way. Is there anything in your, you know, life leading up to that entrepreneurial leap that you look back at and understand yourself a little better now? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I, I think maybe deep down I, I had watched my parents be entrepreneurs. And so I did have that in the back of my mind, um, but I didn't really give it a lot of thought, but it was maybe it was all, I think it was always there. I just hadn't really given a lot of thought. It wasn't at the forefront. Right. But it was in the back, it was in the background. So um, I think, um, I think too, uh, sometimes you just gotta, you just have to do it. Um, I questioned whether I was, I had the knowledge, expertise to be an entrepreneur. I thought, well, maybe I need to, I need to go get an MBA and understand the business side of things before I go off and start my own company. And, and luckily my mentor told me, he said, Jose, if you go get an MBA, change degree paths, go be a finance guy. You don't need an MBA. So he really encouraged me in that. Um, and I think also always trying to find ways to do things, uh, more efficiently or a better way. Um, I think that's something that's in every entrepreneur. I mean, that's why you have a niche to go, go off on your own or go start a company or a business because you have an idea and you think there's a better way to do it. And, and, uh, I mean, even, even in, I tell my employees all the time, I said, if there's a better way to do it, please tell me, sell me on it and we'll implement it. Uh, I hate the, the, the thought process that people have, well, why do we do it this way? Cause it's the way it's always been done. You know, I, I hate that. If there's a better way, sell me on it and we'll change it. We'll, we'll optimize, we'll be more efficient. And I think that that's also something that, that, you know, that is, uh, I've learned about myself. Well, I appreciate you sharing that wisdom with us today, man. It's really appreciate it. Very cool story. And in the event that somebody wants to find you to, cause they're, you know, looking for great tacos in El Paso, or they are uh, looking to, you know, join your amazing team or just to get in touch with you, where can folks find you? Yeah. So uh, just our website, all of our contact info is on there, uh, VenturiEngineers.com. Um, or they can add me as a contact on LinkedIn. I'd be happy. I'm pretty active and responsive on LinkedIn. So I think those two avenues. Yeah, and, uh, very cool, man. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I thank you again for, for joining us. Thanks for making the, you know, doing the work that you do behind the scenes to make all of our lives a little bit better, you know? And so, uh, <laughs> civil engineers, the unsung heroes of society, you know, like one of the, I don't remember if you, <laughs> I, I don't know if they told you this whenever, if you were in the same class or whatever they told, I don't know yeah. what it was, but especially with like wastewater, they're like civil engineers have saved more yes. lives than anyone else in the history of the world because it's of true. You know, sewage, you know, sewage treatment, <laughs> yeah, right? It's so, true. Yeah. Yeah. There's well, actually a really good book called the ghost map about uh -huh. uh, E. coli and mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, you know, an outbreak and it's all, it's all about that. It's just, yeah. you know, well, it's all right. Well, I appreciate you chipping <laughs> in and doing your part and making sure that that uh, is not a big problem for us living in the modern age. So. Yeah. Anyway, well, Jose, thank you very much. Those of you who are listening, we really appreciate you joining. I hope that you found this valuable. I hope that you will take up Jose on his offer to connect and learn. So, Jose, again, thanks very much and appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it.